It's great to see you all this morning. We're going to be continuing in our series we've been in for a few months now called Holy Habits, Essential Practices for Christ Followers. We've looked at quite a number of them so far. Before we get into today's Holy Habit, I do want to just give a shout out to Pastor Lou for his message last week. It was fantastic on justice, God's heart for justice. And if you weren't here, I'd really suggest you go to the podcast and check it out as he opened up the scriptures to us and, and showed how social justice really is not a political agenda so much as it is the actual heartbeat of God himself. And so the practice of justice is an essential habit for Christ followers. I was really encouraged and challenged by that message. And in this past week, I've been thinking about some people who practice God's heart for justice and embody it perhaps as well as anybody. There's an organization called the International Justice Mission. It's a Christian organization that serves all around the world combating some of the worst injustices and, and evils in our world today, whether that is you know, child slavery or sex trafficking or unjust imprisonments and torture, things like that. And they'll come to the legal aid and defense of the most defenseless people in the world who cannot defend themselves liberate them and rescue them and counsel and restore them in the name of Jesus. It's an amazing organization. Their headquarters are in Washington, D.C., and at those headquarters every day is a gathering of some of the most passionate and, and active champions for justice and some of the people who are engaged the most deeply with some of the, the worst things in our world. And do you know how they start every day at the IJM offices? It actually begins with everybody coming into work at, at a certain hour, and for the first 30 minutes, everyone spends all on their own in total silence having personal time with God. Those first 30 minutes, no phone calls, no devices are on, no meetings or conversations, just personal time with the Lord. Then after the 30 minutes, devices can get powered up and meetings can happen and so forth, but, but that, that first 30 minutes is dedicated sacred time for everyone to have personal space to be with Jesus. And I share that because it could seem a little disjointed to go from last week to this week. We talk about justice and we, we got to get out there. We got to get busy and active and, and kind of fight and serve. And then today we're going to talk about solitude. The need to withdraw, to, to retreat, to have time by ourselves. And these are not competing forces in our lives. They shouldn't be. They're actually meant to be parts of an integrated and whole life for a Christian. And the IJM workers would tell you that. There, there's no disconnect between solitude and justice. In fact, it is their work of fighting and, and working so hard on behalf of the oppressed that drives them to the feet of Jesus to be refreshed and to be encouraged and to be cared for by the Lord. And it is their time at the feet of Jesus being refreshed and cared for and encouraged that empowers them and sends them back out there to fight another day. They go hand in hand. And all of the holy habits that we've been talking about are meant to go hand in hand, not to be have a menu that we pick and choose from, but actually all parts that work together to form a whole and healthy life in Jesus. So we also talked about community as a healthy habit. And so Solitude and community, again, they're not competing forces. They, they really go together, as I hope we'll see. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote what's perhaps the, the defining classic on Christian community, a book called Life Together. And in it, he has a whole chapter on solitude. One out of the five chapters is on solitude. And he says, Let the one who cannot be alone beware of community. And let the one who is not in community 
beware of being alone. The person who can never be alone, he says, will ultimately end up looking to community and looking to others to fulfill needs that God alone is meant to fill in our lives, and that can become toxic for everybody. And on the other hand, he writes that the one who seeks solitude without fellowship will perish in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. It'll just become all about us, and, and that becomes toxic as well. So we need these two things, solitude and community together for a healthy, flourishing life, like we need a, a well-balanced diet for a healthy and flourishing body. If you have a diet that includes no protein at all, you'll be severely malnourished in, in some important ways. But if you have a diet that's all protein and nothing else, you'll be severely malnourished in other ways. And Likewise, we're not called to a life of complete solitude, but we are called to a life of regular solitude. This was the life that Jesus himself lived. Not a life of complete solitude by any means, but a life of regular solitude. I want to look with you at a short passage of Scripture from the Gospel of Luke. It'll be on the screen behind me. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. says, The news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So we see right here, Jesus did not live a sheltered, insulated life from the people and problems of this world. Crowds were coming to him to, to hear him and to be healed because he'd been busy teaching and healing people. And right after this verse, another crowd gathers around him and we have another story of him teaching and healing people. He was, he was very active and yet verse 16 is so important. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Just this one sentence contains so much of what the holy habit of solitude is about, so I want to break it down into four parts for us. What solitude was like for Jesus and what it ought to be like for his people. Now, if Jesus needed this habit in his life, I mean, how much more do we? So solitude for Jesus first, it was a regular habit. We're told that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Not just kind of sometimes or when he got really desperate and when it came up, but, but regularly. This was a, a rhythm of his life, something that he regularly did. Sometimes uh, for short periods of time, sometimes for more extended periods of time. The Gospels record many instances of Jesus regularly getting time of solitude. And again, if he needed it, we, we surely do. And I would actually recommend that we aim to have some time in solitude every single day. Sometime in solitude every day. And beyond that, to imitate Jesus' rhythm, I'd, I'd say we have an even more extended time of solitude, even less often than that. So some time of solitude every day. Now, this is, if this is new for you or totally overwhelming, like just even a couple minutes, even just a few minutes, try to incorporate some rhythm of, of solitude in your life every day. And then every week or so, maybe aim for something a little bit longer, maybe uh, a stretch for you might be 30 minutes or, or an hour or a whole afternoon or a whole morning, but some kind of slightly more extended time of solitude on a weekly basis. And then maybe even less frequently than that, something even longer, maybe monthly or every season or every year, some kind of more extended time of solitude, whether it's a, a half a day or a whole day or, or even an overnight. Uh, we're all in different places, I, I realize, uh, but, but try to start somewhere and make this a regular practice. It was a regular habit for Jesus. And, and it ought to be for his followers as well. 
Secondly, solitude for Jesus was an, an intentional thing. We're told Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Solitude wasn't just going to happen for Jesus. He was not going to get it by just staying in the flow of life and waiting until everyone else went away to leave him alone. That would have never happened. But for Jesus to experience solitude, he was going to have to be the one who moved. He was going to have to take himself out of where he was in the flow of what he was doing and to go somewhere else. Jesus withdrew. He moved. And for many of us, the practice of solitude has to be a really intentional thing. It's not just going to come to us or fall in our laps in the normal flow of our lives. The demands of work and school aren't naturally going to lend themselves to solitude. The, the flow of information in the digital age is never going to slow down and take a break for us. Um, if you've got toddlers, they're never going to say to you, oh, mommy, you know what I'd really love to do right now is, is to give you some space. I mean, Solitude is not just going to fall on a lot of our laps and, and happen naturally. It's going to take intentional effort on our part. We're going to need to be the ones who move, perhaps from one place to another or one kind of space to another to, to get solitude. It may mean kind of physically transporting ourselves somewhere else, maybe somewhere else in our place or, or outside the house or apartment. It may mean turning some things off, some devices. It may mean canceling or postponing or delegating some other task. It, it takes some intentional effort. It really did for Jesus, and, and it often does for us as well in the world we're living in. So it was intentional, it was regular, and now this, this may seem obvious, but solitude for Jesus meant being away from other people, or apart from other people. He, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Lonely places here sometimes gets translated desolate places or solitary places or the wilderness. The original Greek word here is, is a ramos. It, it essentially means a place where there ain't nobody else around. And that's where Jesus had to go. He got to those places regularly and intentionally to pray. We, solitude involves some kind of separation from others, from, from relational engagement and demands, from other voices in our lives. Uh, it often means some kind of physical separation from others to actually be alone. But it's interesting to me that the IJM workers, they're all there together in the office space in the headquarters. So you can be in a shared space, but they're committed to giving one another the space to be alone with God, to not converse, to not ask questions or make demands of one another, but to respect each other's space and to really make that a, a time where people can engage with God in silence and solitude. And it's, I think, especially significant that in the IJM 30 minutes of silence, they are unplugged. The phones are off, the, the computers are off, the devices are off, they're unplugged. And that's really important in this day and age. Because now we can be alone, kind of, in the sense that maybe nobody else is around, or we're not talking to other people, or we're not listening to other people. But if we're engaged digitally, we're not alone. So remember this simple adage, if you will. If you are on your phone, you are not alone. Just remember that. Because if you are, if you're engaged digitally, then you have access to all kinds of people, all kinds of information, messages, voices, and all kinds of people, information, messages, they have access to you. And that's not solitude. It's not. It requires some kind of separation from others, physically and, and virtually. And Jesus got that kind of place. He went to the to lonely places to pray. Which leads to the fourth point, is that, that he prayed. So solitude for Jesus was time apart from others, but with God. 
It's time with God. This is what makes solitude a holy habit for Christians. It's not just being alone. Lots of people spend time by themselves for all kinds of reasons, uh, intentional or, or otherwise. And Superman had to get away to his fortress of solitude every now and then just to escape the demands of saving lives and stuff. But, but solitude for Jesus, solitude for the follower of Jesus is time apart from others but with God. He spent time in prayer, engaging with God. And so it's actually not time alone or by yourself. It's important to know. Some of you, you love spending time alone. You think, oh, regular time withdrawing and retreating from other people? Sign me up. I can't stand being around other people. It sounds great. Well, no. The invitation is not to be alone. It's to be alone with God, a God who will, in fact, compel you to step out in relationship and in loving other people. Others of you, actually, the thought of solitude is kind of unsettling and not attractive, perhaps scary. You wonder what, what, what would happen. It, it's, it's not a pleasant thought. And, and you need to also know that it's not an invitation to be alone. It's an invitation to be with the Lord. You will not be, you will not be abandoned during that space, but it's an invitation to spend time apart from others, but not alone, but with the Lord who loves you and wants to be with you. He spent time by himself in solitary places to pray, regular, intentional withdrawing to relate to God alone. Uh, solitude can be a sort of container discipline that, where we practice other holy habits we've been talking about, like scripture reading or, or prayer or worship. Or it could be a, a place of total lack of structure where we just simply sit still before the Lord in quiet and, and, and see what comes up in our hearts and our minds. And we just pay attention to God and, and are fully present to him. It's so rare to be fully present to anybody these days. And solitude is an invitation to practice that, to be fully present to the Lord and let him be fully present to us. Regular, intentional, withdrawing to be with God. Those are the basics, but apart from that, I don't want to get into any more specifics about what your times of solitude should look like, just to encourage you to make it a habit. But what it actually looks like for you, there's no blueprint for it, and, and not a one-size-fits-all. There's so many different stages of life, seasons of life, circumstances, and personalities represented in this room. I don't want to create a, a mold, because your times of solitude could, could vary. It's very different to be retired, say, versus being a student versus working full-time. It's very different if you've got small kids in the home or if you have no kids in the home. It's different if you live by yourself and have the ability to, to basically dictate your own life versus if you live with 20 other people in a halfway house full of rules and regulations about where you can go and what you can do. We have very different circumstances, and, and solitude will look different depending on that. Maybe you live in a, a dense urban environment or you live in some place like Rutland, it, it'll be different. And we have different personalities. Some of, some of us are aided by actually walking around, getting out while we're in solitude and, and physically moving around. It's actually kind of distracting to sit still in one place. Whereas for others of you, moving around is super distracting and it's much better to be sitting still in one place. For some of us, like me, being out in nature is, is incredibly helpful in solitude and connecting with God. For others of you, being in nature is totally uncomfortable, and that's really all that you would think about the whole time. So not helpful. Some of us desperately need caffeine in order to be fully present to the Lord. And that's all right. But other times, it may be good to actually let 
our bodies feel how tired they actually are. It may be a place where God wants to meet us. Some of us are helped by looking at something, maybe an, uh, an icon, a visual representation of God, or, or a lit candle as a, a, a kind of symbol of the presence of God with us. Some, some of us, that's totally distracting. We should just close our eyes. Some of us could, could use a journal or some other way to write or, or draw or be creative in expressing ourselves to the Lord, or, or maybe we're, we're word people or silence people. You know, the beauty is, though, if you make this a regular thing, a regular thing, a holy habit, you'll get to try lots of different things. And you'll see what works, and you'll see what doesn't, and you can figure out what the Lord is inviting you into for, for your times of solitude. But just make it a regular thing where you intentionally separate in some way from other relational demands and, and, and bring yourself fully present to the Lord. Those are the, those are the basics. Beyond that, God is very, very creative, and, and it's a fun adventure to enter into, I think. But this is the life Jesus lived, not a life of complete solitude, but a life of regular solitude. And I want to look at one particular instance where he practiced solitude. And this is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. If you turn with me, it's uh, page 707 in most of the Pew Bibles, or if you have your own. This is one particular instance of, of Jesus practicing solitude. It actually comes after a, a pretty rip-roaring day for Jesus, an action-packed day where he, he taught people and he healed people and he drove out demons and the whole town was going crazy. They were abuzz and his disciples were really pumped up like there's, there's a real thing going on here. It's a very exciting day that leads up to this. And then we're going to begin in verse 35 of chapter 1. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So again, we see Jesus intentionally withdrawing to a solitary place to pray. I'm going to make a few observations out of this passage. One is that solitude is often something that we've got to fight for. Something we have to fight for. Jesus had to, had to fight for this time and space. It did not come easy for him. It did not come naturally in the flow of his life. But Jesus pursued time alone with God, and he found it. He pursued time alone with God and he found it. And it's something we have to often actively seek and pursue. And as we do that, I think God will help us to find it. There, and, and Jesus didn't find any in the normal waking hours of the day. And so he found some in the non-waking hours of the day. When no one else was up, he got up very early while it was still dark. And he found time to be alone with his father then. I mean, one of the big barriers to solitude is we, we do fill our waking hours so packed sometimes. We fill one another's waking hours with all sorts of activities and, and entertainment and things like that. It can be hard to come by. I, I get that solitude can be hard to find for many of us. I, myself, I work two jobs that are both totally unstructured, propensity to overwork. I'm in grad school. I'm a husband and a, and a father. And 
In fact, you know, I used to think solitude was really hard to come by, and then I became a dad. And, and now I look back and I think, oh, there was so much time before. Like, where, I, it was so easy, but it was still hard then, honestly, because I, I had my own drivenness, my own compulsions, my own need to be entertained. I filled that time. It seems easy now, but I, I filled that time. So a lot of our barriers to solitude are both external things, circumstances, but also internal things, our, our inability to slow down, our need to be busy, our need to be entertained and, and engaged. It's hard, and so we've got to fight for it. Solitude is something we've got to fight for, and we've got to fight for each other in this, okay? So we shouldn't be alone and fighting to get time alone with God. It's hard. Uh, and, and we can either be allies or enemies to one another in this fight. And we see in Jesus' disciples kind of a perfect example of how not to help in the fight for solitude. They are so unhelpful to Jesus right here. So he, he goes off. It's hard enough for him to get away. And then he finds a place, and they come after him. And they find him, and they bring all this urgent, frantic energy. Everybody's looking for you. Come on. And so they not only interrupt and cut short the time of solitude, they actually then tell Jesus to do the exact opposite of what he's supposed to do. Like, how much less helpful can you be? He's supposed to go on to town after town after town, and they're telling him, stay here. There's so much going on. There's so much need. There's so much excitement. Stay here. They're telling him the opposite thing to do, so totally unhelpful. It's hard enough to find solitude and time alone with God in this world. We have enough enemies internally and externally in this fight. We don't need more from our Christian community and from the people closest to us. We need allies in this fight. We need people to help us, to fight for us and with us in it. I meet regularly with a group of other pastors and Christian leaders in the Worcester area to pray for each other, encourage one another. And these guys are allies to me in this. So I, I continue, one of my barriers to solitude is I, I just kind of feel bad. I feel like taking time alone with the Lord, I, I, I'm always racked with guilt about it. Like, is that selfish? Should I be doing this? I, there's other people who need me. You know, as if, again, Jesus needed this, so who do I think I am? I don't know, but uh, I feel bad, right? And, and so a few months ago, I'm processing this with my group, and I said, gosh, guys, it's been so hard to find kind of extended time of, of solitude with the Lord lately, but I, you know, I probably should. I think it would be good for the people around me. I think it would make me a better leader, a better this, a better that. And, and one guy just cut me off, kind of a Pentecostal brother, and he said, said bro, you're, you're trying to justify your, your time alone with the Lord, but he, he wants you to know that he just wants to be with you. He just wants to be with you. That's reason enough. Now that's being a good friend. I'm grateful for him, I'm grateful for, for allies in this fight, to cut through the lies that I tell myself and to press me into solitude and to encourage me in this journey. And we, we need friends like that. We need to be friends like that to each other and the people around us, to cut through the lies that we tell ourselves, to, to give, our, give each other permission to take time alone with God, to not be the type of community that fills our schedules so much and that lays a guilt trip on one another for for taking time alone from God. We need to be friends to each other in this way to help overcome our own internal barriers, but also kind of the practical things. We have a lot of practical barriers to solitude in our lives. So let's help each other with those as well. Maybe you could offer, like, hey, could I, could I watch your kids for a little while? 
sometime this week so that you can get some time alone with the Lord? Because it seems like you really need it. Or could I, could I take you somewhere? Could I, could I take, bring you somewhere where you can get away, get some space with God? Or could I take myself somewhere and just get out of your way and shut up and get out of your space so you can be alone with the Lord? Like, I mean, let's help each other with that. Let's share what we have, our resources, with one another. If you've got something that can be helpful to another in solitude, share it. So I want to highlight our friends, Len and Hallie Cowan, who are here. And Len inherited a, a beautiful old house on the west side of Worcester. And Hallie and Len have repurposed this house to be a place of retreat, a place of solitude for people to get away and to spend time with the Lord. We need that kind of space and time. So I recommend, you bet, make an appointment. Don't just show up. But there's fireplaces, there's icons. I mean, the place is set apart to be a place of retreat and solitude. They're sharing that with us as a community. It's a beautiful thing. Let's share with one another. Let's be friends and allies to each other in this fight for solitude. Help each other win. We don't need any more enemies. We got to fight for solitude for each other. We need to pursue time alone with God. And I think as we do, we'll find it. Just this past week or two, honestly, it's been very difficult for me to find time alone with the Lord. number of circumstances. And I, but I've been pursuing. I've been asking, Lord, would you, would you open up a way? Would you show me where, where perhaps I could get some space with you to just be still and be quiet? And um, Part of our routine now is we, we have a beautiful dog, Dinah, and and she needs to be taken out at night before bed to, to do her thing. And when it's my turn to take out Dinah, I, the, the, for months I would do, I'd take her out and the first thing i do is grab my phone and, and just look for anything, any, any new emails, any news, how'd the Celtics do tonight, did anyone play me in words with friends, uh, anything, just to keep myself amused and occupied while she sniffed around for her spot. And... In the past couple of weeks, I've just felt this nudge from the Lord to say, when I go out, uh, hey, why don't you put that thing away for right now? And I have, and, and I've looked up, literally, and I've noticed, wow, like the moon is out, and it looks really beautiful in the snow, and there's stars, and our busy street has kind of quieted down at that point. There's less traffic. It's actually pretty still, and I'm, I'm kind of overcome by the, the glory of God, the beauty of God, and then just the stillness and the quiet. And, and I've taken just even the, the few minutes that that is to sort of review the day with God, and, and I realize, wow, there's a lot I'm thankful for, and I thank God for those things. And, and there's other things that I'm, I'm carrying still with me, but the day's over, and I can't do anything else about them, and so I need to just lift those things into God's hands Trust him to take care of them. If you pursue solitude, God will help you find it. Jesus actually gives us a really tangible tip here. One, one thing, if solitude's hard to come by, just get up earlier. It's right here in the Bible. I mean, he just got up earlier. I mean, five, 10, 30 minutes earlier. I mean, that could be one, one really simple thing that Jesus did and, and that we could do as well. So solitude is something we've got to fight for and fight for each other for. But here's the thing, is that solitude is so worth fighting for. Solitude is absolutely worth fighting for. It bears tremendous fruit in the life of a Christian. It really does. And just two things that we see from Jesus' time of solitude in Mark 1. So Jesus comes away from this time. He, he knows what he is supposed to do. And he knows who he is. What awesome fruit of solitude. 
God, we, we need to know what, what it is that we're supposed to do in this life. There are so many things, there are so many needs out there. Our, we're aware now of exponentially more needs in the world than any one of us could ever possibly do anything about. And, and we, a lot of us have well-meaning friends who will share about these needs in very angsty ways. Everyone's looking for you, like the disciples. And we need to know what God wants of us to not be driven by external needs, external demands, and the voices of others. We need to be hearing the voice of God to know what it is that we are to do. And, and the other thing is that Jesus, by spending regular time in the presence of his Father, knows who he is. The beloved Son of God. That's a status he doesn't have to earn by getting busy and frantic. It's a status he has, and he, and he, and he lives out of that. I mean, if we don't know who we are, then we'll hear things like, everyone's looking for you, and, and, and we might think, oh, I have a chance to be significant and important here. Everyone's looking for me. Why don't I stay? Or, oh, everyone's looking for me. Gosh, I don't want to let anybody down and disappoint people. There's so much need. I better stay. Or we might hear, everyone's looking for you and think, well, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm never coming back. We got to know who we are, and we got to know what we're to do. And we need other disciplines for that, not just solitude. We need community. We need scripture. But we also need space where God is the only one talking to us and we are fully present to him. I'll tell you, uh, I've been in full-time ministry now 18 years and, and most of it has been with a very activist kind of organization serving college and university students uh, very driven people, a driven organizational culture with a zeal for the gospel that often teeters on the edge of overwork. But I think uh, my walk with God has been, by and large, pretty healthy through the whole thing. And the one thing, the one thing that I would say has really kept me knowing through it all who I am in Jesus and what I am to do is regular solitude. A daily and weekly rhythm, and, and in fact, it's been my practice the last 12 years to aim to have one day, one day per month of just time alone with the Lord because only he can really tell me who I am. And sometimes it takes half the day even just to settle down enough to know what in the world is going on in my, in my mind and my heart. One day a month of solitude, I would say, has been the single most important thing in helping me to know who I am and what I am to do. And now in the, in the coming year, I'm going to be shifting a bit to work more here at the church as an associate pastor. And I, I'll tell you, I am taking this practice with me into my new role. So please hold me accountable to it and don't mess it up. <laughs> because I, I'll promise you, my, my leadership and pastoral work here will be far, far healthier if I'm continuing to spend this regular time in solitude with the Lord. And it'll be far worse if I don't. So hold me to it. Now, maybe for you, the thought of, gosh, a day, a whole day retreat, well, what are you talking about? You may need to just start like a couple minutes a day. Remember, the rhythm, uh, sometime each day, a little bit more maybe each week, and, and some kind of less frequent extended time of solitude with the Lord. Talk to one another. If there's a person in this church whose spiritual life you admire, ask them how they do it if you, if you need some tips or help. Talk, let's talk about it in life groups this week. Share ideas, share best practices, but... Regular, intentional withdrawal from other situations and relationships to be with the Lord. This is what he lived himself, and this is what he wants for his people. And so I actually want to take the, the few minutes I have left and stop talking. 
and give you some space as we're here together, a, a few moments of quiet. Maybe you want to ask the Lord for some particular direction and he wants to give you a next step in this journey of solitude in particular, but maybe you might just want to sit still and, and see what comes up. See what you're thankful for or what you're carrying with you. Sometimes the experience of solitude is awesome and euphoric, but sometimes it's actually very difficult as things come up that we've been avoiding. And so I won't promise you an awesome time of solitude every time, but I will promise if you practice this as a regular habit, you'll know who you are, you know what you're to do. So let's practice for a little while right now and just be still and present to the Lord right where we are. Father, I thank you for this time and space, Lord. In a, in a sense, we, we haven't really done or accomplished anything, and yet you're so pleased with us right now. And I get the sense, Lord, that you just want so much more of this with each one of us. Not as a, a demand, not as a duty, but just because you love us. You want to be with each and every one of us here in the most intimate way, you want us fully present to you. you there's things you want to say to us that we have made ourselves too busy and loud to hear. You just, you just love us. You want, you want this time. I pray that we'd each hear your gentle voice of love inviting us to solitary places to pray. Would you give us courage to do it and to fight. Would you give us friends and allies in the fight? Help us to be good friends to each other. And fight on our behalf, Lord. There's so many external and internal things that make solitude hard, but I pray you'd address those barriers, the fears, the compulsions that we have. You would help us to find creative space as well in our days and our lives. Just to love you and be loved by you fully present to you. Would you fill us up and send us out, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.